everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Miss Elise. Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh, I really do want like a, what like a reel of all the hellos that you've said. I know over the episodes. Hello. That would be cute. That would be cute. Hello. That's usually like that's if I'm in a good mood. It's hello. <laughs> um we also have hello <laughs> we do there's a there's a range there's a range there's, of- there's an absolute range but today you're in a good mood let's go right into oh hold on today we're talking about this was the episode we were really excited to record we're talking about uh, marriage what makes a healthy one what you need to watch out for before you walk down the aisle um and just good tidbits about that so we'll get to that later but elise is in a good mood because her sparkle is amazing i got my hair done and i literally feel like a new human being it's not it looks good by the way thank you i was waiting for you to say that so i know i'm so sorry i like noticed it this is my problem i notice things and clock them internally and i do think this might be the difference a difference between being extroverted and introverted i have found that i don't say things out loud a lot and i talk a lot so that's kind of frightening. Mm. But like I clocked that your hair looked good and I just kept it to myself. I'm not trying to gatekeep. I wasn't like, I'm not going to tell her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Well, you you said it eventually. So I'm happy with it. Because I caught myself and I was like, you bitch, you noticed <laughs> your hair an hour ago. Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> well, I was not going to get my hair done because I was very, everyone knows that I'm like a crazy person about like no, toxins and chemicals and scary things because I do have like a, health issue that doesn't allow me to like detox chemicals properly but we'll save that for another for another day that's gonna be a boring podcast um but I just said fuck it I have gained a lot of weight which is totally fine but I my body has changed and I just like needed a little confidence boost and so I went and got my hair done and it was great it was like I literally woke up ate breakfast went to get my hair done came home, ate lunch, take, took a nap, woke up, ate dinner, and went to bed. So my day was eating, getting my hair done, and sleeping, and it was fabulous. That sounds like a great day. And there was a dog at the salon. Yeah, yeah, Henry. He's a golden retriever. He's so much more fit than Millie is, though. Like, every time I go there, I'm like, shit, Millie's fat. No, she just thick. She is a thick girl, but this dog was like, like an Olympic athlete, golden. Well, I mean, he's running around a hair salon all day. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. That's true. Mm. Millie's more. Millie's more of like a lounge dog. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's what she should be. That's what she, she was meant for. Yeah, she loves it too. Um, what's your sparkle? Okay, so. <sighs> I like can't even remember how much I've shared. I mean, obviously I talk about pickleball all the time, but (laughs) Um, okay, I'll just get into it and like fill in the blanks if I need to. But last night I went to a pickleball social and I feel like I've shared some of this over the past year, but um, I, along with Andrew, my husband, and then John, my bestie who lives two floors above me, 
and Neil, the most beautiful man you've ever seen who is not sexually interested in me. Um, <laughs> but he is so gorgeous. Like I tell him this all the time. I'm like, you're so beautiful. <laughs> like, I love you. <laughs> but so the four of us got together and kind of organically started We Hope Pickleball, um, which was just me calling every single day, organizing open play for two hours every day for what grew to be around seven to 800 people, which is insane if you think about it. But at the yeah. time I was just like, I wanted to play pickleball. My friends wanted to play pickleball. I met so many and then the word got out and it just like, I mean, just exploded. And I was the one organizing it every single day. So it got to be a lot. Well, then basically the city and who, and I love this city, but I'm a little angry over this. And the vendor that they hired finally, after giving me hell for eight months, decided to take it over and basically take it away from me because essentially we were making too much money. And when I say making money, any excess money, so I would obviously have to charge people because I was renting the courts. And then we had like a business Venmo and then any excess money that we had, because people, sometimes they'd be like, well, if, you know, if 30 people are here and we're each paying this amount of money, you're like getting a profit. And I'm like, I hear you, but I'm not doing math every time for you guys. <laughs> like this is the price of you want to come play. But what the fun part was, is we would have excess money and I would give it back to the community, either through like free open play, or we would have socials. We had a bar tab anyway. So fun. So now the vendor is like actually making money off of this. And it keeps me up at night. <laughs> it makes me so angry because they were just so rude to me that whole time I was doing their job for free. And now they make, I think I, I did the math and I've generated about $4,000 of passive income for them a month because they just took what I was doing, didn't make any changes, nothing, no overhead, nothing, and just pocketed the money. And it's, mm. so on to the good part. Yeah, I'm like, wow. how how does this turn into a sparkle? Because this sounds I horrible. I know. I mean, I but I had to set the scene because, and, and I'm treated horribly still. Like, I'm not even going to go into a story that happened last week. But, like, they hate me. I, I openly hate me. And I just, like, cannot figure out why. Like, I know that I was annoying to work with because I was trying to do something and they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't appreciate it. And I'm sure I very much made it known that they were fucking morons for, like, not taking me seriously and not taking pickleball seriously because the joke's on them now. Like actually uh, numbers came out the other week and pickleball's twice as popular as tennis is in the city of West Hollywood through reservations. Like facts, it is twice as popular. So, I mean, it is a little validating, but anyway, to the point last night, we had a pickleball social at another woman's house. She was like, it's time for a social. Let's do this. Let's just do potluck because I didn't have excess funds anymore. All the excess funds are going in a vendor's pocket instead of back in our purses to like have fun. So she was like, we'll just do a potluck. So I go last night and it's about 25 to 30 people. This beautiful spread of food because one girl does craft services for TV shows and she brings all these like gourmet food, catered stuff. I mean, there's drinks are flowing. Silver came. We, you know, because she's obviously a little wee pickleball mascot. And it was just like so amazing because I'm looking around this room. The woman who, who hosted told me last night, she was like, I could be your mom. I was like, no, you couldn't. She's like, I'm 67 years old. Like, yes, I can. And I was like, I am at a 67 year old woman's house for fun. Like, this is amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm looking around and like, I'm, I, I will say I, I wasn't the youngest person there, but I did skew a little bit younger in the crowd, but it's like, 
it's people of all ages. There were definitely people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Like, and I didn't know any of these people a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago. And so the it was time for like a little toast to like for um Jody, sweet Jody, to like thank everyone for coming. And she was just like, I don't I didn't know any of you a year ago. And um she has everyone deals with stuff in their life, but she's really going through it right now. And she's like, and I've shared my personal struggles with all you all. And I like, can't do that at work. I can't do that with a lot of my friends. Like I just can't share this stuff. And I'm sure I share it with you guys. And, and then she like thanked me specifically. It was like, you know, Callie busted her ass for a year and it was basically for us to all become best friends. And this is just the coolest thing. And I can't believe I'm in my sixties making new friends. You know, this is so amazing. (laughs) And then another guy who I love to pieces, um, stood up and gave a toast. And last June, this is horrible. His partner passed away of a heart attack unexpectedly. And like, he found him, I mean, just Mm. horrible. And so he obviously, I had like met him a little bit. He took a breather, went underground, of course, and then came back and was like, this community has saved my life. Like, I don't know where I would be. I cannot believe that all of you people are in my life. And I really do feel like it was like divine intervention that I'm like brought into this community. And like, I can't thank everyone enough. And then again, and it's, it's not, I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of narcissism in me. That's like, thank you for this validation because I've been treated like absolute shit from the outside doing all this work. But it was like so cool to be reminded of like, Mm. that's what this was for. It wasn't for showing them that I was right or, you know, whatever. It's like these amazing people are hanging out on a Friday night and none of us knew each other a year ago. And we have no business, none of us being friends, but we like met playing a silly little game and we play five times a week with each other. And it's just so cute. It is literally the cutest. There's nothing that fills my heart right up like a conversation like that where everybody's just like showing their appreciation for each other. I'm like, I want to be part of that conversation. Yes. Like I don't, you never took a class from Mickey. I don't think, I mean, she was crazy, but I loved her so much. And she said the most intimate people can be with each other is when they talk about their relationship. So basically when you get meta with someone else and you like Mm -hmm. start talking about the conversations that you're having with each other and the relationships that you're having with each other. And that was what last night was because a lot of times we're just goofballs on the pickleball court, trying to perfect our game, having fun, talking shit, you know, like, yeah, it gets deep sometimes, but at the end of the day, this is just a cute sport that we've all discovered and that we're all addicted to. And so last night was so cool because we went, we went there. And we started having the real conversation of like this community and these relationships matter so much to me. And it's not just a game to me. So it was so cute. And my baby was there and I was like, yes, and now you're here and you get to witness this. But then she pooped herself and got really embarrassed. She gets really embarrassed (laughs) when she poops in public. Oh my gosh. She had like a meltdown because she was like, there are cute people here and I'm in pants and when she poops at home she's fine oh my gosh what a little cutie she is literally the cutest baby that exists and she's just so smiley and just so smiley the happiest Mm -hmm. a happy gale she is the only problem is she's starting to get bored if i don't take her to social stuff because she's used to all the pickleball people manhandling her all the time and she's then she's used to like friends out here and so she like gets bored with me she's like (laughs) take me out 
okay girl like we can't do this every day she's like why not I love her she's the life of the party yeah it was really fun Andrew like took her home early so I could hang out with all my pickleball peeps which was nice too but anyway so that's my very long-winded sparkle but I thought it was very special yeah no I love those conversations I think that that's you know like full circle moment where you can really be like this is what it's all about you know yes I am still petty and bitter. Don't get me wrong. That's but, fine. Yeah. But it was it was a very magical moment. Um, all right. Let's jump into today's letter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. There my voice. Hi, ladies. So excited y'all are back. Me too. I know this isn't the normal question that you all get, but I hope you will answer anyways. Of course. I'm an engaged woman in my early 30s living outside of Chicago. Most of my friends are single by choice or are still looking for their person. Most of my fiance's friends are also single. We are both only children and our parents are divorced and single. We have a great community, but not many married people within our circle. As two married women who have gone through a lot in your marriages, fertility struggles, economic economic changes, I think that's me, et cetera, what conversations do you think an engaged couple should have before they get married? I trust our bond and the strength of our relationship. However, I know marriage can be difficult. I want us to go in as prepared as possible. Thank you so much. Cutie. Yeah, so cute. And I love a detailed lady. I love that she like told us where she lives and what's going on and set the tone for us. And I love that she is prepared. Like she is looking into this well in advance, which I appreciate because... I love a, I love a prepared girly, honestly. Yeah. Me, well, yeah, me too. I do love that. I don't consider myself one, but (laughs) you with planning Silver's nursery, I literally was like, Callie, I am getting indigestion. I have heartburn from this. Like you need to get your shit together and (laughs) get it together. Okay. But ironically though, this is funny. How long did you and Carl date before you actually walked down the aisle? Ooh, we, Carl and I moved very fast. Um, I know. So we actually, I'll just give like a quick timeline so it makes sense. So we met on a Wednesday via Bumble. Um, That night we like totally hit it off, ended up coming back to my place and deleting our Bumbles because we were like, we're, we're doing this. Um, Two days later, we went to a gala and he asked me to be his girlfriend and told me that he was in love with me. <laughs> and then like a couple, maybe like a month later, he moved in with me. And then we, so that was, I don't know. And then I think like maybe four months later, we were dating for four months before we got engaged, but I was still in grad school and dealing with some health issues. So then we, our engagement was 17 months. Right. So that would be what? Roughly? Like two years. Two years. Okay. So on the flip side, Andrew and I like moved fast, I guess, in the beginning too. But we did not, by the time we walked down the aisle, so we got married in De- in a in a December, but we got married December 2017. And we had been dating since, it had been five years. Wow. Yeah. And then we waited- and then I guess it was another five years until Silver was born. That's so, your that's your number five. Yeah, five. We just like take things five years at a time. I love that. Don't ask me why. Um, so like we took our time. Like I mean, it it was heated in the beginning and fun and whatever. 
um, but things end up slowing down. And so it's funny because as the non-prepared girly, we didn't get engaged until dating for four years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we moved across the country together, but still. Yeah. I was definitely taken, taken aback. Like I was definitely surprised. And my first thought, which I I told Carl when he got down on his knees, the first thought I had was, oh my God, is this too early? And then literally I was like, fuck it, let's do it. (laughs) And I said, yeah, let's do it. And it's worked out. So let's get into some of our favorite marriage advice. And also I want to preface this by saying, I love that you are asking us about marriage advice. The only experience we have is going to be from our own marriages. And I just want everyone to know that we do not, we are not under the illusion of thinking our marriages are perfect. Like I told Elise this before we got on, I was like, I'm going to say that like my marriage is not perfect and neither is yours. And I hope you're not offended by that. And she was like, yeah, but no marriage is perfect. I was like, there is a pretty good marriage. I'm not trying to say that ours are bad by any means, but it's like, we're not coming from a place of copy paste what we do. Yeah. We're just yeah. going to provide what has worked for us. Maybe what hasn't worked for us uh, to give you a heads up and just let you know what we think. Yeah. I love this. Go for it. At least what do, what do you want to <laughs> say first? Well, I will say that um, before Carl and I did get married, we went through premarital counseling and that I think was a really great process for us. We, we did ours through our church, but you could really do it with any anyone, any mental health professional that specializes in couples and premarital counseling. We also did like a workshop one weekend. And I think that that was really helpful just to like sit down. I think when you get engaged, it's like so exciting because you're planning all the things and you're in this like honeymoon season and you're just like get caught up in the details. And I think that it's normal for you to not really like sit down and actually talk about the things that aren't necessarily like fun to talk about. So the one that we did through our church was, um, we did like assessments individually, and then we came together and went through the results together. And it was like, you know, social activities, like finances, sex, all these different topics that are like big topics in a marriage and based on how we answered it told us like which topic we would likely have conflict in and and then we could like talk through those and come up with plans and kind of like just have awareness as to like maybe some blind spots that we would have in our marriage which i think was really really helpful we also did a workshop um through a therapist a couples therapist that was Gottman um and Gottman is like the couples relationship model that everybody wants to follow if you are going to a couples therapist or doing any sort of like workshop he has a book I know like the seven seven principles to a successful marriage yeah um but we we went to like a whole day I think it was like a whole weekend workshop that was just like going through his entire model and just like we would have like breakout activities we would get to talk with like other couples about things and that I think was also really really great for us just to like sit down and be present and like have those conversations so I think first and foremost because it sounds like you know, you are super confident in your relationship, in each other, but it it seems like maybe you're aware of the fact that you don't maybe have um, 
role models that are like healthy people in your life that you can like ask for advice from and um kind of like have those things to bond over which i think is important that you do have those people because you know you're gonna have moments where you need to talk, yeah. talk through something with someone i know i i have a hot take about that though i kind of love that she doesn't have mentors in that space meaning like she doesn't have parents or grandparents modeling marriage to her because a lot sure some marriages are healthy but a lot aren't yeah and the other thing too is that health is going to look different in every marriage just like health looks different in people's bodies or in people's um, personalities like you can be a healthy assertive queen and that doesn't mean someone who's on the more shy side isn't healthy right or you can have a very slim body that maybe not isn't healthy right and then yeah. you can be a bigger body that is like or maybe both are healthy. But my point is, is that health is going to manifest in different ways. And I feel like a lot of times, especially if you are too focused on what a healthy marriage looks like, you can hyper fixate on other people's marriages and be yeah. like, okay, but they're like holding hands all the time. Like Andrew and I are not very touchy feely. And my brother and his wife, I think are, I mean, I haven't seen them in a really long time, but I used to feel like I would get compared to them a lot because like Andrew and I aren't like, holding hands and like doing all this stuff. Like, are we, we're just not very touchy feely people at all. Like Charlotte had to teach me how to properly hug someone. <laughs> she was like, stop tapping my back. Like you hug and you go tap, tap. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, you are a shitty hugger. And I was like, <laughs> <Charlotte. "Damn." laughs> I love Charlotte. Yeah. And she was like, and your mom hates it too. And I was like, okay. I was like, you know, but like, <laughs> it's interesting because it it doesn't mean that I need to learn how to be like, I mean, I took that in stride now. I think I'm a better hugger. I'm probably still not the best, but what I'm saying is like, I didn't need to put my marriage down because it didn't look just like someone else's. Totally. Other people are like, that's healthy. And it's like, okay, well mine is too. And us faking it would be unhealthy, you know, yeah. like that's just not who we are. Yeah. Uh, we have a very unique marriage that I think we both agreed to like outwardly, but like also maybe it was just kind of unspoken too. Um, and ours doesn't look like a lot of other people's and that's fine with me. And I, I've let go of the comparison. I haven't done that in a really, really long time, but I guess my point is it can also be a gift yeah. to not have all these people to compare yourself to. Yeah. I was more so along saying like along the lines of like, as, Oh yeah. No, I know you weren't like mold yourself after these people. Yeah. It was, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know you were not saying that. Um, yeah, I think once you're married, just like having people who are also married that you can be like, Hey, did you want to murder your husband today? And you're like, yeah, me too. Okay. How would we kill him? Yeah. <laughs> where are we going to burn bodies? Woo. Yeah. No, totally. Because there are going to be times where you are going to want to kill your partner and you're going to just not understand how they arrived at that decision-making process and be yeah. like, I do think the appropriate um, punishment is death. So like, how are we, gonna, <laughs> how, how are we going to remedy this? Yeah. Kill I'll, you. <laughs> I'll also say, I think like a huge, um, maybe like learning lesson for me was that like marriage isn't always easy. Like, especially if you're going through some hard times, like Carl and I got married and 
it was downhill from there in terms of like life exploding in our faces. Like he lost his job. We had to move in with our, my parents. We started our infertility journey. It was just like a lot all at once. And you know, that stress falls on you and your partner's shoulders and you let it out on each other and you have conflict more. And it's just like, I, I didn't realize that like marriage was going to be hard and challenging sometimes. And I think that in hindsight, I wish that I would have known that so that I wasn't like, is this normal? Like, did we make a mistake? You know, like all of those anxious thoughts to just go along with like, this shouldn't be hard, but it is hard. You know, it's just that. So maybe just like anticipate that. I think, um, Michelle Obama talks about this all the time with marriage. And it's like, you know, you gotta really focus on like your mutual values and your respect for each other and your commitment to each other. And just know that marriage is about compromising and teamwork and working together. And you're not always gonna love each other. Like, and I mean, you'll always love each other, but you're not always gonna be like in agreement and like lovey feely and in the best moods and totally in sync with each other. Like that's just not, I don't think that's normal for any relationship, but especially someone that you spend all of your time with. A lot of time with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. It's not always going to be fun and sometimes it's going to be downright not fun, (laughs) but, um, I think like I'm trying to organize my thoughts because I've got like two things that I really want to nail home and they kind of sometimes go against each other a little bit. So like, bear with me and Elise, please tell me if I'm not making any fucking sense. Okay. But number one is values. I'm going to put that on the top of the list. That does not mean y'all have to have the same values. I need everyone to understand that. Yeah. You are not going to find a carbon copy of yourself and everyone's like, you have to have the same values. And it's like, yeah, you have to respect each other's values. Mm-hmm. That's key. Uh, Andrew has a very, one of his values is doing it himself and his own pride in a good way. Meaning like he gets off on figuring out how to make a table from scratch, right? He gets off on navigating a system that's really hard to navigate and winning. And not just for the sake of winning, but because it, it builds his self-esteem. But he is someone that likes to exercise his talents and wants to see where it gets him, meaning he's always up for a challenge. And that can be exhausting. Being married to someone like that, it can be exhausting because someone's it's like, just hire the fucking person to do the job. You know what I mean? Or like, it means that your life is going to be an adventure. But like when people say an adventure, I don't mean like going to Italy, like good for you. I mean, like, testing your abilities and like really maximizing the time that you have on this earth, which sounds fun and ambitious, but is not always fun. Like that can be, (laughs) excuse me, but really tiring, Mm -hmm. really tiring. That's why most people don't do it because, and, and that doesn't mean they're weak or not exceptional either. It means that they're like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Like I only have one life. I'd kind of like to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do I think Andrew is enjoying his life? Absolutely. Am I enjoying this life? Absolutely. But it comes with um, added stress and added anxiety and also uh, added rewards. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is, did 
I have that value growing up? Is that something that I was like, I want to exercise my strengths in order to see where it can get me? Oh, but you know, I'm a stuck up three. So on the Enneagram, like yes and no, but I respect that so much in him and think it is attractive and want to be a part of it. And I'm proud of it Mm -hmm. that when I resent him for it, which I totally have and will again, um, I can always come back to that, mm-hmm. which is not only you signed up for this, like this is the bed you made, like lay in it. Um, not at all, but like, r- wait, this is really attractive. Like if I can get myself out of the immediate stress that I'm feeling right now and have a 360 point of view, this is hot. <laughs> because and if, I, if you were with someone that played it safe, you would be bored. Yeah. And you hate to admit that to yourself, but you would be bored and you would have ran through them just like you ran through every other boyfriend that you've had in your life. Mm-hmm. stop trying to talk yourself into thinking that you would want something else. Cause you yeah. would, yeah, you dumb bitch. And so these are the <laughs> conversations I have with myself, but it's about, and, and that's just a really good example. And obviously I'm talking about him blowing up his entire career to move to LA and him. I mean, so many things I can point to that we did things uh, waiting to have kids and then be like, shit, we have to do IVF. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many things I can point to where it's like, wow, we really did that the hard way. Didn't we? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I respect his values so much. And I, and there are things that he respects about me that are my values. Like I am firmly not religious, firmly not religious and have a moral compass internally. And I don't need a book or a congregation or a community to tell me what's right and wrong. I'm very comfortable in knowing what's right and wrong for me. And I know that he's obsessed with that about me, but he needs religion. Mm-hmm. Like religion helps him become a better person. Do I respect that in him? Yeah, sure, I guess, I don't know. He just knows that it's like, <laughs> not for me, you know? Um, so that's an example too. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are things that make you undeniably who you are and they're not going to match up with each other. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. If you can decide or have decided that that's what you love about them, you're good. Yeah. If you've decided, I wish I could change that. You're fucked. Yeah. Don't do it because they're they're not going to change. And that's, and that's, Oh, that that's my point. (laughs) Yep. You're not going to change. They're not going to change. Are people capable of change? Sure. But only if they want to be. Why yeah. would someone want to fundamentally change who they are and change their values when they've had them for 30 some years? 100%. Unless they're actively making them a bad person. I don't see why anyone would be motivated to do that. And they shouldn't be motivated to do that to change for someone else. Yep. You always say, um, don't fall in love with potential. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that because I think that you know, you can totally hit it off with someone and have so much in common and have, you know, all the vibes, but then it's like, there's these fundamental things that you just like wish that you could change about someone. It's like, you just, you can't commit to the person that you have created and the image that you've created in your mind of this person. Like, yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like I was skirting that a little bit and not totally nailing it on the head, but that is also a point I cannot emphasize enough, which is you're looking at your partner right now and you have to think this is the best it's going to get. And if you're like, hell yeah, this is the best it's going to get. Yeah. Sign me up. Then you're good because they could get better, but they could also slip. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Age does funny things to us. 
And so you just have to, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about looks. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying like in general, um, people slide sometimes. (laughs) We're not always the best versions of ourselves, I guess. And it's unfair to hold that expectation about someone being like, you're just going to get better, right? You're going to continue to get better for me. It's like, Mm -hmm. that means they weren't good enough to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So look at them and don't say, I love your potential. Now I do love Andrew's potential in it because I believe in him and think and truly believe that he's just going to continue to get better. But I married him knowing like, this is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You are you and you're not going to stop being you. Yep. Okay. The other thing I have to say is you have to, this is what you do need to agree, agree upon. What does happiness look like? What does success look like? Um, a shared vision of your future. Y'all might not necessarily achieve it depending on how big and lofty your dreams and hopes are, but there are some marriages where the vision of success is four kids and they're going to try for that no matter what. They want a big family and family is really important to them. There are some, um, you know, couples out there that are like, we don't want kids at all. And we want to travel the world and freedom and flexibility are what success looks like to us. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you're seeing now that that is a non-negotiable. You cannot have two people with completely opposite views of what success, happiness, um, the feeling of life's paid off for me look like. Because, you know, to someone who's like flexibility and financial freedom, are what make me tick. And then you marry someone that's like, I want six kids. <laughs> it's like, those could not be more opposite from each other. And people like that fall in love with each other every day, mm-hmm. every day. And I mean, it's, it's a mess. It's a disaster. And that's what people mean when they say love is not enough. You have mm-hmm. to have a commonality of shared future goals. Yeah. Um, even again, if they fall short, you know, but Um, And yes, that ties into values. It does, but they're slightly different. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that's perfect. Perfectly worded the way that you explained it. Yay. Um, And you're allowed to create goals as you go. Okay. So if you feel the pressure to like have your life plan already mapped out before you get married, (laughs) that's cute. It's not going to happen. It's not at all going to happen the way you think it is. Absolutely not. I didn't know that community was important to me. If when I got married, if you had said how important is community to you, I'd be like, does it have to be on the list? Like I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have even thought that at all, but it turns out community is huge to me. It's just, it makes more sense because I had in my mind, community was religion or community was, I don't know, junior league or what, whatever. Like I just had this antiquated version of what community was. And like, now I'm like, oh, community is a badass group of like different people from different backgrounds in this funky city. It's like, yeah, sign me up for that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just interesting how much I've changed, but the heart of it is still me really wanting to find unique, interesting hustler, different people. And it's like, that was me from the start. But I guess what I'm saying is like, you are going to bend and stretch and grow in ways you never thought possible. And Mm -hmm. so are you with somebody who's going to respect and love all of that because they know the core of who you are? Yeah. That was beautifully said. (laughs) I'm rambling. Okay. At least 
what else do you have in your arsenal of what you think is important? Well, I really like to have like structured thing. Surprise, surprise. I really like to have structured things to like start these conversations and um, just like resources. So there are a couple like games that Carl and I have used and and he really enjoys them too. I'm definitely the one who like wants to have like quality time and quality conversations is my love language. And so I think that, you know, being able to sit down and connect over those before you get married will kind of like all encompass have you guys both on the same page and just like be able to connect in that way. So um the ungame for couples, that is a really, really, really great resource. Carl and I did that before we got married and it was really awesome. And it kind of like prompted different questions that were really helpful and just like preparing for marriage and what you can expect and differences and blind spots and hurdles and things like that. Um, the next one that I really love is we're not really strangers. Have you played that Callie? No, but you've brought this up a few times and I think someone else did too. And I I've only heard good things. It's so amazing. And Carl's kind of, whenever I'm like, let's play a card game. He's like, Oh God. Okay. But he actually really enjoys this one. Um, it's three different decks and you can, the purpose of it is that like you can play with a stranger. That's like, it. you don't have to have this really connected relationship for you to be able to ask these questions to each other. But there's three different decks and each deck kind of like gets more vulnerable and intimate, like as you continue. And it's just such a good activity um for anyone who's just really trying to like prioritize your relationship know each other better talk about things that maybe wouldn't come up in typical conversation um and the last one is actually a client told me about it um that she oh, i love that i know i know she had found it and was like this is so awesome like you have to tell all your clients about it and I was like okay great it's called the fair play deck and this is something else that I think is really important to talk about before you get married like Carl and I have a very like traditional setup and in terms of like I don't want to have the burden of like being financially responsible for really anything like that really stresses me out and I'm obsessed with that so much like I want to record that or like type it out on a typewriter and like frame it in my bedroom. <laughs> so amazing. I, mean, I love how honest and open and <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I, it's not, I mean, like I, all of my girlfriends in my life are like these baddies, like you're a simple- Okay. Stop rephrase please. Because so are you okay, and okay, you're okay. making it seem like you're not. Okay. 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 I'll re I'll reword. They they feel very strongly about being like 50 50 contributors with their partner. Okay. Whereas like, I, I don't, I, I went into marriage knowing that I didn't want that. I want, I don't want any financial responsibility. That's how I grew up. (laughs) That's how I would like to go out. And I own that. And I'm super down with that. I love to clean. I love to do admin stuff. I love to take care of the house. I love to- Oh my God, will you be my wife? Yeah, no. I mean, like, I think we would be a great couple, Callie, honestly. (laughs) But I love to do those things. I actually get a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy out of it. So 
Carl and I really had these conversations about how our dynamic within our marriage was going to look like Mm -hmm. this is what he's responsible for these are what i'm responsible for and that's it and i think that and that's never changed like that was what we both wanted and i think that that was a really helpful conversation to have going into your marriage um this game it's called the fair play deck it's basically a deck full of like different marital responsibilities washing the dishes taking the dogs to the vet like taking the kids to the pediatrician paying the bills doing the taxes it's literally all like every card is a different responsibility and you flip a card and whoever does that you take the card and and then you can kind of see like okay well i have 10 cards and you have 58 cards like obviously that's not (laughs) balanced out and so Mm -hmm. let's go through some of these and like trade off which ones we think we can trade off and I like that that's fun I mean it actually sounds horrible but very necessary well yeah I just think it's like if the one thing that I think will plant a seed in a relationship and and literally cause so much damage is resentment. Yep. And if you have it in your idea, or have it have an idea in your head that your partner is just gonna like read your mind. And like, if you say like, oh, the dishes in the sink are bothering me and you like want him to do it, but he never does the dishes. Like I know for a fact, Carl will never clean up his clothes after himself and he's very messy and he leaves all the cabinets open. Like, I just know that about him and I, can either be mad about that every single day, or I can just be like, okay, I love you. And I'm just going to go behind and do all of these things. You know, it's like, I think it's just important to really understand and picture like what your life is going to look like together Mm -hmm. and have predictability in that, in terms of like roles and responsibilities. I agree. I I love that. I, let me give not a different take, but more of, um, how do I put this? You and Carl, I think, have very clean, defined roles, mm-hmm. which is so gorgeous. And Andrew and I do not. We are a hot mess express when it comes to who is responsible for what. So, for instance, the pediatrician appointments, Andrew and I go to all of them together, which is so cute. And I don't think normal because most of the time in the waiting room, it's just one parent. And sometimes yeah. it's a man and sometimes it's a woman. And, you know, there's also a lot of non heteronormative uh, relationships in you know, LA. So, but whatever. So I'm not trying to say that it's always like the mommy there. Um, but it's interesting because we don't always talk about this stuff. I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of the ways that we figured out what roles we play is by trialing them out and Mm -hmm. by doing it and not really saying you're going to do this or you're going to do this. And part of it is because I think neither of us know exactly what roles we want to play within the marriage. And we just want to do what we're good at, but those things are very different. So like it's become my responsibility to be the financial um, organizer from day to day things, but the large scale, like buying a place and uh, more innovative financial decisions typically fall on Andrew's lap. Um, And I'm, I'm there to assist, but like, that's, I think it's normal, but it's not always that normal. Right. And that is how I grew up too. My mom was a boss bitch and my dad kind of fell in line, but also did a ton of like the overarching things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying is it's okay to figure this out as you go to as long 
as your direct. And that's what Elise is saying. It's like, you can either decide this shit beforehand. And if you're pretty predictable and they're pretty predictable, then your marriage is going to be predictable. If you have these conversations Mm -hmm. with my marriage, we're not predictable. (laughs) We're all over the place. And it's interesting because I never really know how the cards are going to fall in terms of like, Oh, parenting is a great example. Like I knew that a lot of stuff would fall in my lap, but it's funny to me that like a ton of stuff fell on Andrew's like Andrew wakes up with the baby. I slept in and forgot that we had a podcast to record. (laughs) And Lisa was like, are we recording? And I was like, I just woke up. So, you know, it's like Andrew wakes up with the baby, not me. Is that normal in most households? I would think not, probably not. Um, But that's just how, but we couldn't like talk about this because we didn't know what kind of baby we were going to have or how this was going to go. But the difference is, is that, this is a funny, this is a dumb, like little interaction, but like I cook every meal, Andrew, probably too. Cause I don't trust him to cook. Like he's, <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this, but he's not very good. And so, and he probably would contribute if I would let him, but he also, no, he would not. He doesn't want to like, it's just, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want to. <laughs> I have decided that is a role I'm going to take on. I have found ways to enjoy cooking. Is it my favorite thing to do? Not really. Is cleaning my favorite thing to do? Absolutely not. Definitely not his either. So we are we are just a married couple that neither of us like domestic duties, <laughs> which can be complicated, right? Like it's easier when one person likes that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, we don't. So I cook this meal. Was it that hard? No. Did I leave a little bit of a mess? Mm-hmm. And so I go into the kitchen and I was just like, okay, like when the fuck are you going to clean this up? You know, because I cook, he cleans. That's the rule. And he didn't want to do it. And I was like, well, how fucking convenient. I didn't want to make dinner either, but you're not hungry, are you? Pretty sure you ate. So like, how's this going to work, right? (laughs) I love this. I was just like, where do you get off? Like, I don't want to clean. You know, these are, these the rules. Um, So we do with this thing called a dream feed with our daughter and we like um, feed her while she's asleep. It's like a common practice to help them sleep through the night. Is she doing it? No, but it's helping us get longer stretches. And he doesn't like doing that either. And I'm like, what do you like to do? Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. I, I understand she's asleep. It, it can kind of be a pain in the ass. It's like, you have to stop what you're doing, go in there for 20 minutes. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Long-winded story point is, I just directly said, I'll do the dream feed if you clean this up. And he goes, okay, but I don't want to do it until the morning. And I was like, again, how fucking convenient. So I'm like, okay, fine. The dishwasher dishwasher has clean dishes in them. I'll do the dream feed. You can wait till tomorrow morning, but I want this, this, and this. I was like, empty the dishwasher. You clean the kitchen. I would like a little vacuuming. You dumb ass. (laughs) You are so stupid. But like, it's all... It's, it's, it's a negotiation, baby. Yeah, 100%. 100% negotiation. And Carl and I, I always, when I was a play therapist, like one of the number one things that we would do is choice giving. Mm-hmm. And so I give Carl choices all the time. Yep. And he started doing that for me now. And I'm like, yep. I don't like when you do this to me. I can do it to you. I know, but it works because it's like, I used to, and it's true. I would go to bed angry because I'd be like, you didn't wipe down the counters and we're going to get ants. We've never gotten ants. Like, you know what I mean? It's at the end of the world. If you leave a messy kitchen out overnight, no. And I've decided that, but that wasn't the point. The point was that I felt like it wasn't fair. Yeah. Because it wasn't fair. It's not fair. And so I've decided I'm going to voice that and then tack on more duties in the morning that I don't want to do. And guess what? It worked. I woke up the next morning, dishes emptied, 
kitchen clean, little bit of vacuuming. When was I angry? I was like, boom. And all I had to do was a dream feed. You're dumb. You're dumb. (laughs) How many times do we text each other saying how stupid men are? Men are trash. Okay. So (laughs) I came up with an activity on my own while you were, I I promise I was listening, but you were talking about all these games and I was like, oh, I love this. And then I thought of one because I was like, Andrew and I don't cleanly fit into some of these because again, we're unpredictable and we're both, I think sometimes a little too similar in our interests. And so it's not this like even keeled, gorgeous partnership where yin and yang type thing. So I, and this is my, this is going to be my final thought because we've been talking for a long time, but, um, or we can keep going. I don't care. So I have this idea for you guys to do this activity that's called being on brand. I literally just made this up So and fun. come up with a brand for the two of you. So like maybe even like an advertising campaign or like, um, a collage, right. You know how we were dumb in sixth grade and we would like cut out celebrities that we like loved and like, you know, do it. It's like a vision board, right? Um, I do a vision board every year. So yeah. Okay. No, it's amazing. I, <laughs> I, I meant my collages were dumb. I don't mean making collages dumb. They're not, but, and come up with a brand for the two of you, like mm-hmm. something that like, again, is a brand well-defined? Not really. Like, can you describe what Gucci's brand is? It's like, probably it's like, you know, bougie and expensive and high class and luxurious and whatever. And like, when you think of Gucci, you think of like probably Jet Setter or like Italy or like Family Dynamics or whatever. You know what I mean? I, this is why, why did I use Gucci? I don't even know. But you can come up with a taste, like an aura, if you will. Mm-hmm. it's on brand, right? That's what, that's a common phrase. I'm going to say, oh, it's very on brand for them. I'm going to use one crazy example that people are going to be like, are you serious? So when we went into our fertility journey, it was two kids or no kids for me. If you have kids, you have two. Them's the rules. Didn't even question it. Freaked out because our embryo count probably was good enough, maybe for one. And I was like, that's unacceptable. So we did a second round so that I can guarantee that I could have two kids and silver is from that batch. So I don't regret this at all. Uh, but Andrew introduced only having one child when I was 36 weeks pregnant. And I was like, the fuck. And at first I was like, what the fuck? We went into this saying we wanted to, like, I remember having this conversation with our fertility because that's what they ask. That's the first question they ask you, right? Elise? how mm-hmm. many kids do you want? Mm-hmm. Because it completely changes the game plan. If you just want one, that's a different strategy than if you want four, mm-hmm. like completely different. So less time intensive, everything. So I was just reeling like one. And then I sat with it for a second and I was like, that is so fucking on brand for us. Like I could not think of, and, and, and I reserve the right to change my mind. And I told him that, and he reserves the right to change his mind. So we are not locked in at one. Yeah. But if he had thrown that, I think on anyone else at that time, that would be grounds for like, are you are you serious right now? Like I could see women feeling betrayed and feeling very hurt. And instead I was like, I had never even considered having one. I didn't even think you could do that. I thought it was illegal. Like I really did think that people who only had one kid, it was not by choice. It was like, I don't know. They were dealing with infertility or they got divorced or like, you know what I mean? I always thought it was like an accident, Mm -hmm. which is horrible. My dad's well, my dad, it was an accident. So yeah, that tracks, but like, I, 
I molded over and I was like, that fits us. It does. And I, I don't even know how to explain it, but I would put that under our brand as a couple having an only child. It makes total sense. And ever since then, I've like loved the idea. Again, I can change my mind. But Andrew introduced that to me because he knew he was safe doing so because we have our brand so nailed down, even when I am unaware of it, even when I don't even consider something. Yeah. He knew that it would take me 24 hours to process. That's exactly what happened. And now we like love talking about only having one and it like gets me excited. And I will say it's great advice for anyone having a baby because then you mourn every, you don't mourn, you're not like depressed, but like. I am so aware that this could be my last time for each age mm. and I'm soaking it up instead of being mm. like, can we fast forward through this? Yeah. So it, I do love it. But did that make any sense to you, Elise? 100%. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, every couple has their, their own brand, you know? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, Carl, Carl and I talk about it all the time, like, you know, I have a brother, he's married and it's just funny when we all are together and then we'll leave. And it's just like some of the things that we are just so different and like not necessarily individual, like personality wise and like individual like wise, but just like as a couple, as a marriage, as a unit. Um, so I love that. I think that that's like a fun, a fun activity to do together. I think it's a good activity because it, it could really be eye opening for y'all. And like, point you in the direction that you were already heading in, but put a name to it, which could be helpful. I don't think it's necessary, but I think it might make you feel more secure because the point is you can't predict what's going to happen in the future. You just don't know. Elise can probably say that more than anyone. Um, You could want something so badly and it could end up just being hell on earth to get it. Um, Especially when it's something that you both want. Mm -hmm. And that is just life. But if you can have kind of an umbrella of what would be acceptable for you in your marriage and your life and what, and then, you know, obviously what wouldn't be like stuff that doesn't make it under your brand. It's just, I don't know. It helps organize my brain. And honestly, it helps me feel grounded mm-hmm. of like, stop trying to be someone else's brand. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Like, that's not you. That's not us. And it's and okay. I, and I think to your point, like, I mean, you know, in just this podcast, like, Callie and I are very different people and like our marriages are very different from each other. My life gives Elise active anxiety. Literal take, I'm taking Tums after this. (laughs) But you know, it's just, I mean, I remember one time Callie and I did this like, uh, webinar or something. I had created a slide deck. I had a script, I had note cards and I literally texted Callie and she's like, I'm just going to wing it. And I'm like, the fuck you mean? You're just going to wing it. Like what does that Oxford guild? We were, we were speaking in front of very smart humans. And she was like, that's not how this goes. And I was like, watch me. Yeah. So, so I think, and neither, neither way is right or wrong. And I think that's why Callie and I are best friends. That's why Carl and I got married to each other because I am on this end of the spectrum, they're on this end of the spectrum and it balances out so beautifully, but Mm -hmm. just a snapshot of like how Callie and Andrew work together versus like how Carl and I work together, like you can do it so differently and and neither is right or wrong. So I think that's just like, you know, I'm glad that we both spoke to this so that whoever this letter writer is can kind of be like, okay, like we get to create our own 
dynamic and brand yes. in 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 this marriage. So I think that that's yes. I'm I'm glad that we're very different human beings. I agree, but I think it really just boils down to respecting each other's values, being aware of what your values are and what their values are. And then you have to have some sort of shared vision for your future, even if it's not that specific. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't have to be this five-year plan with all these like specific milestones that you have to reach. Because again, we can both tell you that that's, that's not how this goes and it's, it's not how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I maybe also, some people get that. I don't know. But then again, the people who get that are fucking boring. So I don't know. I was also going to say, I think like grace is a huge thing that I have come to appreciate in a marriage. I am absolutely a perfectionist and I hold myself to really high standards and high expectations. And I, in the beginning of our marriage was super critical of Carl all the time because not because he was doing anything wrong, just because I was letting my perfectionistic tendencies bleed over into him and his life. And I didn't have awareness about that until someone told me that like until it was presented to me in a way where I was like, Oh shit. So I think understanding like your own triggers and your own, you know, blind spots and things like that and how that can impact your marriage, how that can impact your partner. And I think giving grace above all, and also just, this will be my final thought, how two individuals deal and process with the same situation can be so different. And again, Mm -hmm. neither is right and neither is wrong. And I think coming back to that piece of like respect, like respect, because I will say you decided to respect Carl more than respecting your own anxieties and triggers Mm -hmm. because you've decided these anxieties and triggers aren't founded. I mean, they are, but they're not because Carl's smart and intelligent and can handle himself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to lean more into that into the mm-hmm. respect mm-hmm. than I am into my own perhaps unfounded anxiety. hundred percent. I mean, we both know my anxiety is. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm with Elise on this one, but you know what I mean? For the most, most of the time, it's like Carl can handle himself, you know? Yeah, totally. But I think like even processing through like, you know, losing Wilder, like we handled, mm-hmm. he and I handled that so differently and it was just mm-hmm. so such a mind trip for me to be like we both went through the same thing and yet we're handling this so different and I was almost like mad a little bit you know so I think just like you know being able to respect not only the person that you're marrying but also like respect the way that they need to go about doing things and the way that they prefer doing things from dealing with hardship and grief to just like daily things that they want to do. Like if I said, okay, Carl, we're going to clean the house the way I would do it, which is the right way and the best way. (laughs) It would be totally different from how he would approach it and how he would handle it and how he would do it. And Mm -hmm. like, that was a huge hump for me to get over through the past couple of years of just like, my way is not always the best way. And I need to respect and appreciate that. Like he is being himself and doing his own thing. And I need to like respect that and give him grace in that, you know? Yes. No, totally. Um, I had two more thoughts and then we need to wrap this up. And now I'm like kind of forgetting the one of my thoughts, which is so sad. So that's fine. It's meant to be my 
final thought is, oh, nope, I found it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I apologize. One, study your attachment um, styles. Yes. I'm not going to go into that. It's, that is a podcast in and of itself. I'm sorry. I think we have a podcast on it. Actually, we talk about attachment styles in another podcast. So maybe just do a quick scroll and you'll probably, I think it's called anxiously attached. I'm brilliant. Oh my God. So, yep. <laughs> so go listen to that podcast and figure out your attachment styles. It is a game changer. We, um, we also have, I have that, um, assessment that Lori, oh, do. um, my old therapist, Lori Poole, shout out. I love you. Love um, she, gave me a link to this really, really, really great in-depth attachment assessment. Yes. So if you want that, just shoot me an email, Elise at joinblush.com and I'll send you the link. Do you remember that I was securely attached to everyone but strangers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It was like, you have a horrible attachment to strangers, but everyone else you're great with. Okay. And then my final, final, final underlying thought, use humor as much as you possibly can such a good final thought. It is so funny that Carl is a doofus when it comes to cleaning the kitchen. It could yeah. be annoying, but it could also be hilarious. Yep. It is so funny that Andrew forgot his laptop at work. <laughs> so funny. You know, but like if you can find ways to make things funny yes. and there are times in our marriage where I'm like, this could either be hilarious or horrible. I'm like, why are we debating this? Make it hilarious. Yep. Like you're not going to remember this in a month make it funny. Yeah. There is no need for everything to be so deep. Yes. Like just if you can explain, I will never forget this when I dropped my towels on the ground after a shower and Andrew was like, one of us is better at hanging our towels up than the other. And like puts it up. And I was like, damn, you're funny. Like there was a funny way to tell me that I was disgusting and it could have <laughs> been a fight, but instead yeah. it was hilarious. And it's like, yep. use humor as much as you possibly can. Yes. That's literally the, if there's one thing that you take away from this podcast, let it be that, because I think being able to laugh at not only yourself, but also each other is such a gift and yep, will take you so far in life. Agree. Totally agree. And it can sidestep so many fights, mm -hmm. make your life so much more pleasant. Yes. Everything is funny. Everything is hilarious. Yep. Um, same when we have a baby, she pooped her pants. Hilarious. Like, <laughs> That she's screaming right now. So funny. Haha. <laughs> okay. She is screaming though. So I should probably go. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks guys for tuning in. This was a blast. And we will see y'all next time. Okay. Love it. Love you. Goodbye. Bye.